Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality with your host, me, Aliyah Lovely. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, psychics, aliens, religion, new age stuff, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, philosophy, and even dating. Some of the shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and new discoveries and other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up about what spirituality in today's world really looks like. Hey guys, thank you for coming to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm really excited to bring you today's guest. Josh Solar is a self-described CrossFit dad, but not a douchey type. He deeply loves his family and encouraging others to learn how to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. He spends his time sharing the joys and practices of breath work and meditation, ice baths, and being vulnerable so others know that they're not alone in their daily struggles. Through these practices, there are safe spaces for us to be fully alive and fully human. He's also a Reiki master and just an overall good human being. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thanks for having me on, Aaliyah. Super, super excited to have you because uh, Josh Solar is synonymous with good human being in my book. So um, <laughs> I'm very excited about talking about some of your life journey and what got you to be this type of person. Um, the first thing I wanted to ask you, um, what we talked about in your, your bio, is um, learning how to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I, I feel like that really resonates with me. Um, but why don't you tell our audience a little bit more about what that means to you? Yeah, so I am a pr- very, very privileged straight white dude. And my parents, um, they're still married. I had no abuse at all to me when I was growing up, no traumas, like nothing. Like my parents supported me. I knew I was loved. I was pretty spoiled. I was very bratty. And I always thought that that's the way life was, that I just, it just worked out, right? That like anything that I wanted uh, would magically come to me easily without working hard for it. And um, it, I met my wife in high school and we started dating in high school. And so we've been together 23 years and she had the opposite life. So like her dad died when she was seven. Um, There's a lot of drug abuse in her family, a lot of physical and mental abuse, a lot of trauma. And it wasn't until um, just a lot of really heavy shit hit us in a row. So, and all of this plays into the getting uncomfortable or getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. So a lot of heavy shit hit us all at once. Within like a six month span, I had two kids diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. Um, My wife's twin brother died of a drug overdose. We were planning, we had been planning for a couple years to go live in Europe um, and road trip around there with our kids for six months. And um, because we were planning that trip, we had turned down a lot of work as a photographer. Like, you know, you're constantly booking and and based on where you're going to be. And so we had to turn away weddings and portrait work um, and because we were going to be in Europe. And so anyway, like all of this happened and we had to cancel Europe with, and then the, the illnesses and then the, um, her brother's, her twin brother's death. And then that caused her to obviously hit, um, like a very big grieving stage. And I really struggled to support her. And I was just like, 
life works out. Like, we're going to be okay. Like, come on, cheer up, you know? And obviously when somebody's grieving the loss of their twin brother, that is not a good way to support and love them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what happened is uh, I just really struggled. Like I had good intentions. I wanted to love her and I wanted to support her, but I didn't know how to do it. And the thing, and, and ultimately looking back now, I realized that I never had to flex my resilience muscles and like life was just easy and I mean we never had financial problems we never had like just everything just worked out and so I wasn't I I wasn't capable of supporting her the way she needed to be supported at first and so what happened is a friend of mine was like hey I'm gonna start doing this crazy thing called the Wim Hof method and here's a video to watch if you're curious, I would love to have somebody join me and we could uh, support each other and hold each other accountable to doing the practice every day. And so really quickly, the Wim Hof method is a type of breath work. Um, There's a little bit of yoga, physical um, exertion in there for the second part. And then the third part is cold showers and sitting in ice cold water or doing ice baths. And so now I, I was like, I'm in, I watched this video. I was like, this looks amazing. Let's try it. And what I realized, well, what I realized now as I've been doing this for over four years, um, that I needed to put myself into this state of controlled stress and being like either through breath holds or cold water or whatever else it may be in any given day for the other practices that I do. Um, and then allow my body to um, basically kick on that fight or flight mode and then you breathe through it and you learn how to uh, control your autonomic nervous system and you learn how to stay calm even though it's a pretty stressful situation on your body. Mm -hmm. And that practice and those practices translated into me being able to sit with people when they're grieving, to sit with people when they're struggling, to hold space for somebody without judgment or shame or guilt. and and ultimately, that's why I, I say I like to share practices and help people get comfortable with being uncomfortable because so often we're wired to like seek comfort and to seek what's easy and to just like be comfortable. Like that's what we think is going to make us happy. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I mean, yeah, you're comfortable, but when, when the shit hits the fan, you're not prepared to handle it, if that makes right. sense. Well, our society is really focused on being pain averse. And so anything that's going to keep us from experiencing any type of pain, even at the risk of our own health, because like suppression is obviously like really terrible for us. um, We, we avoid it. So it's interesting because you said control, control stress, um, control stress. And uh, it's interesting because like being someone who lives under a lot of stress, um, I I'm often in that space of like, how can I de-stress and get rid of stress? So you're taking on stress in order to somatically, rewire your brain essentially that experience in order to be able to be become more like I guess satiated during that process or like what what does that mean yeah so so what it is is that like just like when say say if you're a weightlifter or like you want to run marathons or whatever like you're going to start practicing so like if you want to run a marathon you have to start running and you need to build up over time to for your and your so that your body physically can handle running that long um and the thing is, is that like our inner self, like our, like our immune system, our nervous system, um, 
endocrine system, uh, cardiovascular system, like all of those systems, like we can train them just like we can uh, train our physical systems and our muscle and our muscles, muscles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so to me, what that means is that like when I am um, leading breath work or practicing it on my own, uh, it basically involves taking in a lot of air and then only releasing some of it. And what happens is, is you build up all this energy in your body. And when you start to feel really tingly and good, you take a deep breath in and you exhale and you're laying there empty. So you're not breathing. You're just, you're just laying there completely empty of oxygen in your diaphragm. And you just sit there and see what happens. And what, what happens internally is your body is like, what the fuck is going on? I'm supposed to be breathing, Um, not breathing, what's going on? And so that fight or flight kicks on. But the thing is, is that it's, I say controlled state of stress because I can breathe at any moment. So I'm 100% okay, but my body doesn't think so at the time. And And the idea is that mentally I'm training myself to hold my breath, exhale as long as I can. So sometimes I'll go three, four minutes without taking a breath in. Wow. And, and you start, your body starts to shake you, you start to feel all of the stuff. The thing is though, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And so when you put your body in this state that it is uncomfortable, and then when you do take that breath to me, I get this tremendous feeling of gratitude. I get an energy burst. You'll get a huge, um, release of like the happy chemicals in your brain. So it just, it feels really good when you do take that breath but the idea is to prolong that uncomfortableness and to sit with it and to know that I'm going to be okay. And the same thing happens with cold water. Like that's my other favorite method of mm-hmm. being uncomfortable. I mean, take cold showers every day. Uh, during the winter, I sit in a lake by my house a couple times a week. And We've then we talked about this before. And I just think I'm like, that is so crazy. My body has yeah. such a <laughs> wicked reaction to cold. That's oh, yeah. amazing. And you know, I've been doing it for four years. And the thing is, is that there is still times when I'm walking towards the water in the lake, especially in the winter, I'll walk towards it. It'll be like, you know, 15 degrees outside and it's windy. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Sometimes (laughs) I'll have to have a shovel and like break a hole in the ice to then sit in the water. And it's like, what, what is wrong with me? And I know that the second that I hit that water, that it's going to send this shock to my body. And again, it's going to be your body's like, what the heck is going on? It's going on high alert. And the the key is just to breathe and focus on your breath. And and honestly, like the way that our society is, we struggle with finding presence and just being in the moment. Yeah. And when you're sitting in ice cold water, if you, if your mind is wandering and thinking about your to-do list or maybe something you said to somebody that was wrong or like, I'm an idiot for saying that or whatever. Like if you're thinking about that stuff, when you're in the cold water, you're going to be shivering and so cold. (laughs) And so if you're present and breathing, you will calm, your body will actually calm down really quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's just amazing to just see that like, okay, I can be uncomfortable and know that I'm going to be okay. And when I'm sitting in the ice water, usually about like, seven, eight, nine minutes in, uh, you get into this like really, it's probably the most blissed out feeling that I've ever felt. And as weird as this is going to sound, sometimes I prefer that to even like a really good orgasm. Like it's yeah. so strange. It's so strange. It's just <laughs> like the feelings are like, I, I can't, you can't explain it. Like you just get yeah. this euphoria, this just blissed out present state where 
Um, hold on one second, Josh. We lost you for a second. Okay. So I was saying that it's like you get this blissed out, like euphoric state when you're sitting in the cold water and it is an uncomfortable thing, but to be able to be in an uncomfortable environment and know that I can feel that good, like then when I'm with somebody who's hurting, with somebody who's struggling, with somebody who's grieving, I can sit there in, in a silence that is quite uncomfortable, you know, and just listen and just be there for that person and know that, that, that I'm, that I'm comforting them without saying anything just by your presence. If that makes sense. Yeah, no. And I, I think that's super wonderful. Um, it, it's essentially expanding your empathy as well. Right. Um, so you having this experience for yourself as you're in, enduring this type of pain or uncomfortability is allowing you to be able to learn how to, it's like a rehearsal for the real thing, kind of like you're training your body to, to be ready for that. But besides you being prepared and ready for being that for someone else, what does that do for you and your own spiritual transcendence? Because I, I know like I've done a breathwork session with Josh before and it was really intense. Um, I felt like I was like, I don't know if I can continue to do it. I felt like I wanted to quit halfway through it because it was so, it was just super intense. Um, and mm -hmm. at some point I definitely felt like Josh had put his hand on my stomach and I was like, I thought you put your hand on my head and my stomach and um, I kept my eyes closed. But when I woke up, he was sitting away from me, like four feet away from me. He hadn't touched me at all. And I was like, oh my goodness, because I was seeing colors. I was seeing stars. I was seeing like other realms. It felt like um, I've never done any DMT or anything like that. Any set, so anyway, you know what I mean? Mushrooms or ayahuasca or anything. Um, but I can like it to liken it to that. Like that was the, how that experience felt. And then that there were people present that like there were 10 people in the room. Um, anyway, so how has that transformed you on a spiritual level? Like, what do you feel like awakened in yourself or happened since you started this practice? For me, it's just like, it's more about knowing that I'm okay and knowing that any feeling that's going to come up with me, like, and let me use this as an example, is so a week ago, we had to put our dog, our, fa our first family dog to sleep. And yeah, it, it's been tough. You know, it was like the kid's first family dog. She was, she was here for 10 years. And there's little things that you notice that like her pitter patter in the kitchen, like you don't hear that anymore. Or like yeah. the other day, the other day, my son dropped a piece of banana bread on the floor. He broke off a piece of the banana bread and dropped it on the floor because he would always give a bite to the dog. And then he was like, shit, she's not here anymore. I just yeah. threw that on the ground, you know? So there's little things like that. And it's been really heavy. Mm -hmm. So how these practices have helped me is that, is that I, before I would feel guilty for not being happy right? Like I would, if I'm like, if I'm not happy, then something is wrong with me and I need to do whatever I can to get happy, even if I'm like forcing it. Mm -hmm. And so doing all of these practices, I feel on a spiritual level is more about like just being okay with being human and mm -hmm. helping others know that they're okay being human. And so I've done a ton of breath work where like that for myself this, this week where it's just like, you know what, I'm feeling off. I'm going to do some, some rounds of breathing and I know that I'm going to be okay. And that whatever arises, like I can sit with that and that it's acceptable and that it's just part of the human experience. And before 
I wouldn't do that. Like before I was really hard on myself. Like I was like, Oh, like your life is easy. Things always work out for you. You have everything you want. Like you should be happy and appreciative. But the fact is, is that like, I'm not always that way. Sometimes I'm sad. Sometimes I look at the news and like things really break my heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so these practices have just allowed me to be okay with myself wherever I'm at. And some days are good and some days are bad. And also too, like I have slept a lot. Like I recognize that grief hits me hard. And when it does, like, I just need to sleep. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but just like being okay with that and knowing that, you know what, like I have a lot of work that I need to do and I'm just not going to get to it right now because I, I, I need to recognize what my body is telling me. Mm -hmm. And I think that leads me into the other part is that it's just being very in touch with what's going on internally yeah. and being aware of my emotions and, and being able to sit with anything that may arise. So, and as far as you saying, you were saying uh, when you were doing the breath work, you were talking about like, like DMT and, and yeah. like all that different stuff. So, so physically there are chemicals being released into your brain when you get to those like later stages of the breath work. Mm -hmm. And um, there's some days where I'm just like, typically in my sessions, we do four or five rounds. Um, there's some days where I'm just like, I'm going to go for like 10 or 12 rounds. And by the end of it, I'm so far gone. And like, you, I just feel like I'm in outer space, kind of like floating around. Mm -hmm. And it's because of those chemicals. And, and one of the things too, is, uh, one of the teachers that I've had, um, actually he, he led a lot of classes at, um, alcohol and drug rehab centers. Mm -hmm. And it was very therapeutic for the, for the people because, it was triggering those same sorts of internal experiences that drugs did yeah. and people found that like they could naturally get there without substances. And so it was, it's been a very profound form of healing for a lot of people who struggle with drug addiction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to that, uh, being able, not even necessarily to escape, but to be able to be present. Exactly. Because the yep. people are thinking the pain and whatever is what we're, we're looking to escape, but to actually get to that place. That's really, really cool. Um, having experienced it, just once before I've done a couple by myself, but, um, I don't push myself with <laughs> the way that I did when I, we had the session with you. Um, I found that there was an immense amount be, having to be present in, in, in this body. It, it, it was incredibly grounding. I spent a lot of my time in my upper chakras, um, mm -hmm. not a lot in my body. And it made me so acutely aware of my body that it was uncomfortable. Yeah. And normally I'm in my head. I'm not in my body. So, um, so I mean, I'm, I'm curious because like, I mean, the people that are listening may have never heard of breath work before, or like what this is or what it does or why it's important. Um, do you have any kind of anecdotal stories about people that you've worked with that it's really transformed their lives or, you know, besides yourself, obviously it's, it's impacting you pretty big. Yeah. Um, so and also too, one of the things, just to touch on something really quick, you were talking about being uncomfortable and not feeling like you can, you, you need to stop halfway through. Yeah. Uh, that is a form of resistance mm -hmm. and our body naturally, like our brains are naturally when we start, like when we know something is coming, like something different, something that we haven't practiced before, mm -hmm. like our body is going to know that and our brain is going to know that before we're even aware of it. And the brain is like, no, I like things the way they are. I don't like change. And so it's going to give you that resistance where it's like, I can't do this. I, I can't control what's happening right now. 
Um, sometimes it comes in people falling asleep, like that's a form of resistance in the breath work. And that's, and the idea behind that is that through all of our life experiences, we were, we're wired a certain way, right? So like our brain is wired a certain way because of the way our parents raised us, or maybe something, um, some of the stuff that happened at school or with our friends or with teachers that we've had or um, trauma, um, maybe you're a soldier and you went to war. So you have some PTSD, you know, stuff like that. Like those experiences all wire our brain for a certain way mm -hmm. and breath work unravels that. And those, and for whatever reason, it allows us to get into our body, like you said, really quickly. And then what happens is, is then we begin to rewire our brain and release some of the things that are causing us to not necessarily live our best lives or be our best self. Um, Love and that. so, yeah. And so some of the, um, just a few stories uh, that I've had, like there was, there was one class I was teaching and um, the, one of the things that typically happens in breath work is people will either laugh or cry. You don't, you don't always, that doesn't always happen, but it's pretty common. Mm -hmm. And um, laughter and crying are both emotional releases that are the same to the inner workings of the body. Obviously they're different expressions, but internally it's the same release. Yeah. And um, so there was a lady that was, she was in the back and she was just crying like the whole time, like the whole time, just crying, crying, crying. And um, what turned out afterwards, she, she shared that like, she never allowed herself to grieve the death of her husband and her son. Mm. And she felt while she was deep in doing the breath work that they, they're, they're, they were there and they basically gave her permission to be happy. Mm. And so within, I want to say within a couple of weeks, she had like moved cross country to live on the beach. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, she said that that sparked her, that she realized that this, she'd been holding on to this, this experience, this traumatic experience for a few years and never allowed herself to fully grieve, to, to feel it. And then to then be happy, you know, yeah. she felt like she needed to suffer for the rest of her life because she suffered these losses. Yeah. So, so that's, that's something that's happened pretty common. Um, I'll see people's hands kind of like cramp up or even like they'll start at their sides and then they'll move up. Mm -hmm. um, and then eventually overhead. And a lot of times you'll see people's hands will be fist at first. And then by the end of the session, they're wide open mm -hmm. and they're not even aware that they're doing it. Um, yeah. and, and you'll see this stuff happen. I'm like, Oh, somebody's letting go of something. And so I've had a lady say that, that she'd been holding on to something for well over 40 years. And she's like, we're not, we don't even need to get into what is, what's been going on or what's what I've been holding on to. But in all the years of therapy, I've never felt you know, she's like, I feel like what you did in an hour, um, was, was more than all was better for me than, and more healing than any therapy that I've been to in the last like four years. And, and the thing is, is that like, I always stress to people that like, I am not doing anything except creating a space and all of the work is done by the people that show up and yeah. the people that show up with an open mind and just all, and like I say throughout the session, like all you're doing is breathing and that's all you have to do. Like you have no responsibility at all except to breathe. And I even give people basic guidelines on how we're going to breathe. And then some people breathe faster. Some people breathe slower. That's okay. Some people uh, fidget and kind of like move their legs a bit. Um, that's okay. Like, like there's no rules. And so the whole, the whole thing I'm getting at is that like, the people that come to the classes or that I work with, like they're doing all the work. 
Yeah. Um, I'm just sitting there and just holding space for them without any shame or judgment and just giving them permission to just breathe and release and let go and, and be open to whatever happens. That's nice. So, yeah. That I think it's really cool because I mean, on this show, we're talking about spiritual things, but being a human being is also a very spiritual experience. And we forget that the part of that experience is learning how to be in the body. Yeah. Um, what you're doing is creating a space for people to be able to be in their bodies fully and get to experience what it is to be present and let those things come up. Um, something that you triggered for me uh, while you were speaking um, is that often because we're, because we're not present and we're kind of like, we're, we're on this time illusion, right? So we're always thinking about time. This is linear. This thing is in the future. This thing happened in the past. And when we're not present, we're not observing exactly what's happening in our body when we're experiencing those things. So we store those things for later and then they mm -hmm. come back up as triggers or uh, depression or anxiety or weight gain or whatever that looks like. Um, but the learning how to just be is a very feminine energetic position, um, which is often not valued in our, in our culture or society, right? Um, yeah. more important to be go, go, go and do, do, do kind of thing. So you're allowing them that space to do that, to, to not just allowing, but like giving them a space for allowance to let something come to them. Right. Yeah. Like as far as like what's coming up for them or whatever. So, um, the, the things that you were talking about, the trauma or whatever, um, it's giving them, them space for their own intuition to get in touch and in tune with itself and, and let those things release those things essentially. Is that right? That, that is correct. And you, you know what else is interesting, speaking of intuition? Mm -hmm. um, a, a lot of times, so like after the breathwork part is done, the active breathing is usually about 30, 35 minutes. We do um, some relaxed breathing at the end. And it's more just like typical meditation. But what's interesting to me is that there's been numerous times that people have either had um, some sort of problem that they've been looking for an answer for, or maybe they were designing... Um, maybe they're launching a new brand of something and they're working on the branding or the logo or whatever. And they're just kind of like stuck on that part. I've had numerous people say in that last part in the end that like they've had these grand visions of like, that here's my whole brand. Here's my logo. Here's my color scheme. Here's my slogan, like mm -hmm. everything. And, and it's, it's just, it's interesting. Like what it is, is like, it's all intuition and creativity. Okay. So Speaking about intuition and creativity, there's there's people that have come to the classes that that have had like their whole entire brand, like logo, color scheme, um, slogan, like all sorts of like this whole thing just come to them in a vision at the end of these breathwork sessions. And and what it's doing is when you when you put yourself in this state, when you breathe this way, when you're when you're deeply relaxed and, and you're kind of clearing out your chakras doing this work, like wherever it needs to happen, like your body knows and it wants you to be happy and it wants you to be healthy. And so when you give it the space to actually do what it needs to do, your intuition is gonna be um is gonna be kind of like heightened. Your creativity is going to be heightened. So it's gonna help you pro solve problems. And I know that it like saying all this stuff like it feels like it's too good to be true or whatever but like I've seen people get up at the end of the sessions and say I just saw this and this and this or I was working on this at work and I just got the answer of what I need the creative solution that's gonna you know solve this problem or whatever and the, and the idea is that 
we we can't we can't be in our upper chakras and our upper parts like with the intuition and creativity and speaking our truth if we're not if our lower chakras aren't clean cleaned out and cleared out and and functioning properly either right um and, and it's it's all connected mm-hmm. and so system. yeah it's exactly and you know one of the other things is this is the most fascinating thing about the breath work and this to me is the most important part and in, in the key of any of the stuff is that so often we're either thinking about the past or worried about something that might or might not happen in the future. Yeah. And what happens is, is when we're that way or like our phone dings, then that's like a hit to our, to our fight or flight. And we're constantly, like you said, go, go, go. We're constantly stressed. We're constantly anxious. And what happens is, is when you're fight or flight mode, you're, um, it's your, uh, it's your pituitary gland. When your pituitary gland is is activated, or not your pituitary gland. Oh my gosh, that's where that's where your thir- that's where your third eye is. It's um. Oh my god, why am I drawing a blank? Yeah, no, I'm trying to think of the part of the your, is it hippocampus. Your hippocampus, uh-huh. Uh-huh. amygdala. It's your amygdala. Amygdala. Yeah. There yeah. it is. When your amygdala is is activated. Um, all the time what happens is is any energy that's that you have within your body is going to fight these perceived threats Mm -hmm. and so what happens is is that all of our energy that is typically supposed that will aid in like digestion or aid in restoring and regenerating our cells properly like that energy is tied up in dealing with these perceived threats in the amygdala so when you breathe this way like what happens is the breathing pattern very quickly gets you out of your head and it basically says, okay, I'm good. Like uh, I'm good. So what happens is, is that amygdala is turned off and you're in your body and you can move to your prefrontal cortex and that frees up all of that energy and all of those systems to then restore and regenerate and heal you. And so that's to me the most important part of the breath work. And it happens whether you are thinking it's happening or not. Like it's just your body just instinctively takes over when you shut down that part of your brain. Um, And the same thing happens when you're um, working out, like if you're lifting heavy weights, right? Or doing technical lifts, um, you, you have to be so focused on the lift. Like if your mind is wandering or you're worried about work or whatever, like you're going to fail at your lift and you're probably going to injure yourself. And so when you physically exert yourself by lifting heavy shit, um, it's the same kind of thing happens. So that's mm-hmm. why like when people are running like marathons, like you get that runner's high where you're so focused and present and what's happened is like, there's no perceived threats. So your amygdala is turned off and, and you can just be. And anytime that you can just be like that energy is then freed up to like work with the other systems to then heal and restore you. This is wonderful. First of all, I love talking about the brain. Like (laughs) this is my jam Um, because I'm really into like neuroplasticity and rewiring Mm -hmm. the brain, things like that. Um, But also deeply spiritual person, but the, the being present um, that is so significant. And I think like, just having the experience you doing facilitating breath work for myself, it was, it was probably the first time it's, it's almost as if you call it a runner's high, but people who have smoked weed before know um, that highness forces you a bit to be present. You're not thinking about the future. You're not thinking about the past. Like you're literally just moment to moment. It's as almost as if time doesn't exist. And so when you're in that space of focus of, of being, being, present right now. I feel like that's like such a, I need another phrase, but like (laughs) be here now kind of thing. Yeah. Um, to actually be present means 
to allow your body to do what it's meant to do. And Mm -hmm. when we're taking ourselves out of the body and into our mind and our head, and we're worrying about, like you said, the anxiety of what happened before, the fears of things that might not happen yet, we are not allowing our body to do what it's meant to do, which is causing all this additional stress. And all this additional stress is what, like, and I mentioned adrenals, like adrenals start to burn out, cortisol goes up. Um, Your body doesn't know how to function properly when it's in a constant fight or flight mode. And so thus, especially for women who have very delicate endocrine systems, with our sex hormones and things like that, they get thrown off really, really easily um, without, and men as well, but like we definitely have to carry children. So that's a little bit different, but yeah, um, that, that inner, inner dialogue of what's, what's happening within the body. We often, and I can only really speak for myself, but um, in my experience, our, our society and the way that our culture is focused is we're always in the future. So what are you doing now? Okay, what's happening next? Are you guys going to have kids? Are you going to this or whatever? And it's causing this additional stress that says that you're not okay to be where you're at right now. Yep. And so like to be, to, to do that type of breath work, I think is like really scary for a lot of people too, because that would mean that they would have to essentially dispel their habits of d- distraction and actually yep. get super focused on how they actually feel in that moment. And that's, I think that's what a lot of our world is missing. Wouldn't you agree? I totally agree with that. Yes. Like we, and the thing like we're like, you've hit it where like, we're told that we like, there's these certain paths that we have to go down to be like a good adult or whatever. Right. Like you need to get married and you need to have kids and you need to have a job and you need to buy a house and whatever. And it's just like that, doesn't always work for everybody. But then if you, if you feel like that, that's not the path that I want to go down, then you're like, well, then what's wrong with me? And you know what I mean? It's like and a so form you, of enslavement. It totally is. Yeah. <laughs> selling us on all these ideas of what our life should look like. And then where we feel all this pressure and stress and like where nothing ever is enough, of course, then we're not satiated either in our normal day-to-day life, but we, we can't focus on how things are now. Like it's, it's constantly being focused on this illusion of time. Yep. And, and there's even, even too, like when you think about like goal setting, for example, like me, yeah. I, I, I'm a big person. I don't set a lot of goals. And the reason is, is because I feel like if I set a goal and I hit it, then I'm like, Oh, I should have set a higher goal. And mm-hmm. if I don't hit it, then I'm like, Oh, I suck. And so I'm like, what's yeah. the point? Like, I just want to focus on like, like values and virtues that allow me to, um, you talked about me being kind and things like that. Like I want to, that's what I want to be. I want to be kind. I want to be a safe space for people and I want to encourage and love and support people. And so anything like when, when I'm starting to worry about the future, I'm like, okay, what can I do right now to support somebody? What can I do right now to support myself? What can I do right now to be kind to somebody in my life and be like, that's, that's how I want to live my life. And so if I'm feeling off, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go meditate and give myself the break that I need, or I'm going to help my wife in her business and I'm going to run some errands for her. I'm going to cook her lunch so that she has nutritious food to eat for lunch and doesn't have to worry about that. You know, like, Mm -hmm. and the whole thing is that when I'm doing that, like there's no worries about the future. It's just like, who do I want to be and how can I be that person right in this moment? Um, That's, I think that's such, it's so funny because it sounds like a simple concept, but it's so profound. It's tough to do. I can tell you that sometimes, you know, yeah. of course, because like, it's but, easy to get caught up and be like, 
well, I want this or I want that. And I'm like, no, like, like why you don't need anything? Yeah. Like, what can you do right now yeah. to be who you want to be? That see, okay. So even for myself right now, I'm struggling with that and being in that position of like, okay, I have this goal of where I want to be, because that's what we're, we're told. We're told to set goals and be these ambitious people. And if we're not, we're lazy or unproductive or whatever. Um, but in our experiences as, as humans to, to be present, even when it comes to goals, right? Like, Cause I don't, I don't think goal setting is bad, but I agree. Like, no, we, it just we put ourselves in that. Yeah, no. Like when it, when it, we put ourselves in that position, like a lot of, a lot of my fight or flight responses come from me not meeting my goals or me not being in a position that I thought I should be. And it's unnecessary suffering. Yep. So like, for instance, can you, uh, let me, let me ask you a question before yeah. you go on. So is there a way is there a way for you to switch your goal from a thing or a status or a place into a feeling? Yes. And actually that's, Oh, I love that you said that. Cause even yesterday I was like, how do I want to feel like the thing that I'm running after making a certain amount of money is why, why do I need a certain amount of money so I can have freedom so I can be free mm -hmm. of debt. So I can be free of this obligation or that obligation of something that happened in the past. And my, intention or my like when i was in meditation actually yesterday i was like okay how do i feel that right now how do i feel the freedom that i'm looking for it would mean not getting calls from so and so it would mean not like feeling like i had to pay these obligations and getting bills in the mail or whatever so what does that look like and what can i do right now that would facilitate that freedom and mm -hmm. so that that rewires or re i would say um you know, reshapes a new perspective of the things that I look at as, as what is considered accomplished to me right now, because I'm so burnt out. I've been shooting wedding after wedding after wedding and traveling a ton and not traveling in the fun kind of way, like getting mm -hmm. up at 3am going here, working and then coming back, like, not like, okay, I'm going on vacation. Um, I'm so burnt out that I'm like, literally, I don't have the energy to, to focus on a goal. I don't have the energy to even do the work that I'm already signed up for. <laughs> so it means that like, okay, I need to, I need to be present right now. I can't think about what's happening tomorrow because I physically don't have the energy or the mental capacity for it. And so reassessing, I guess, essentially reassessing my, my priorities. Like my priority is like, I need to be healthy. I need to be rested in order mm -hmm. to be able to, to, to output more external energy towards those things. But because I'm so goal-oriented, goal -oriented, um, I've noticed how much that's caused like an immense amount of stress in my life. And so like I'm, I'm starting to focus now more on the feeling. I'm starting to see that and be more present because that, that goal-setting thing, even when I got to that goal, it was like, okay, what's the next one? Yep. And what's the next one? And what's the next one? And then I started to realize that like that, that sourcing of looking for something constantly had less to do with me being a goal setter and more to do with me feeling like I wasn't enough. Yeah. And so like then having to look for something that made me worthy enough or look for something that was enough status or to be, you know, Oh, look how much I'm working. I'm busy. The, the, well, which we can get into that. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, the, sure the, the obsession with being busy. Um, and that like recognizing last year, I recognized that I was like, that is not, that is not the life. <laughs> that is not what I want. I want to be peaceful no. and calm and relaxed and not have like a shit ton of things to do. But, um, it's hard when the world asks that of you anyway. So, uh, did that answer well, your question? 
It did. And there's also too something that that I've I've realized is that there's um I, I speak a lot in my breathwork classes about awareness and acceptance mm-hmm. and recognizing our place in the world and that what we actually have control over because so often like we get focused on and we get stuck on like control where like if I do this, then I'm gonna feel this way, or if I do this, or if I hit this goal, then I'm gonna then this will allow me to like and so much of all of that stuff along the way, like decisions that we make is in our control, but so much of everything else is not. Mm-hmm. And so constantly, like if you aren't aware of what's in your control and you don't accept what's in your control, then you're going to constantly, again, be stressed out, be drained, be because you're striving for these things that are so far out of your control that like, no matter how hard you work, you're not going to get there. Mm-hmm. And when you start to think about awareness and acceptance, it's basically being aware of what is in your control and basically forgetting about what's not in your control and then accepting those things. And and really when you boil it down, it's simple. Like the only thing that we can control is our actions and our thoughts. Like we can't control how other people perceive us or if you write a big proposal for a job or whatever, say somebody comes to you that wants to hire you for something and then you counter with your offer, like you can't control what they're going to say. back to you right as far as your work like but you 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 just know that like your thoughts your actions your reactions um those things are really the only thing in your life that you have 100 percent control and responsibility for Mm -hmm. and so so no need to worry about those other things exactly and when you think about it like that like that wipes that basically just chops off a whole bunch of stuff that you could stress about because it's not in your control. And no matter how much energy you put to thinking about it, you're not going to change that thing. Outcome. You can't change the outcome. You can't change the way, like, like, for example, my wife sells LuLaRoe. And so she's really good at selling LuLaRoe clothes. And that's how we pay all of our bills right now. And I love it. And she's really happy and filled up. But there's some times where some things aren't ran as effectively as she would like. And so I'll listen to her and I'm like, okay, like I understand your frustrations, but that's out of your control. And so when you're worried about this, when you're, when you're complaining, like it's instead of thinking about how can I take what is in my control and run my business as effective as possible, like you're, you're missing out on creative solutions. You're missing out on other ways to like you're missing out on the gratitude of and the blessings that the business has even brought us in, over the last three years by focusing on things that it that you can't control you can't control the decisions that the that the, the executives of that company are doing or how they're choosing to run the business let me ask um, you a philosophical question yeah um why do you think humans are wired that way i just feel like it it, it ties back into comfort um, and how like we want to be in control. We, w- I think we're wired to be selfish and greedy too, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and Why maybe we're not, that? maybe, maybe we're not wired that way. Maybe it's due to our lifestyles and the society that we see and we see what's glorified all the time. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's like if you look, yeah, like I think it's conditioning that's out of, again, out of our control. Like I can't, uh, control how often, um, let's take Kanye, for example, okay. and I'm going to Kanye because he's now found God and he put out a gospel album and everybody is just flipping their freaking shit over this gospel album and that Kanye's found Jesus and all this stuff. And you know what, if he's happy, good for him. Like I am not like the album is trash. Let's be honest, but, 
if if he but if he if if he has found Jesus and that brings him happiness like good for him I'm not knocking him but you look at like how many stories and people's reactions to it and it's like why is this one person finding Jesus celebrated so much when like there's so many other people that have found Jesus and are probably doing just fine like you just look at what's glorified and you look at like the status and the money and and a, and a lot of the stuff or even like award shows in Hollywood and how much money is spent on making movies. And I love movies. Um, but just like you look at like all of that stuff and people strive, like, how can I get there? What's in my control to get there? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny. The first thing that comes up for me though, in that, in that realm of thinking is that this is conditioning programming essentially yep. that's telling us that there's this outwardly thing that's going to make us happy. And that's going to continue to get us to buy into that that paradigm. And to me, it's like, that's not what's important at all. So if, as long as we focus on continuing, and I I hate to use this phrase, but enslavement, like keep keep us looking forward and, and making us believe that there is something to control, then we'll be in this constant state of needing satiation, like whether numbing out with like having with control, because control is a drug too, right? Oh, absolutely. Like being able yeah. to feel like there, there's absolutely nothing that's in our control. Like you said, I love that. Like that there are reactions is literally the only thing that we can control. Um, we can't even control our breathing. You know what I mean? Like we have like in our breath, in breath work, you, you tell them when to breathe, but sometimes your body overrides that and yep. we don't actually have control over that. So like to, to not have control, but to, to, I, I idolize the sense of, you know, that there is this thing outside of us that's going to make us more worthy and control the drug itself is an illusion that makes us believe that we have the power. Now we do in some facet, cause I'm a big uh, fan of law of attraction. And, but even that's not a control, it's more of an allowance, right? Like yeah. you're opening yourself up to plug into a certain frequency. Um, but we can't control when or how or why or um, any of those. And things. you still have to do the work. You still have to do the work. So, yeah. Like, and the work is your, in your control. Exactly. And so, but the idea that these outwardly things are in control and like it's, it keeps us from being present and it keeps us from being able to tap in. And when you were talking earlier about like, we're talking about intuition. Um, I very much believe that the, the, like the ideas and the creative creativity that we get are not original. They're out in the ether, right? They're kind of sitting in these little bubbles. And as long as we can like tap into that frequency, we can grab those things out of those bubbles that are sitting there. And it's why, you know, like when you don't have, we have these brilliant idea and you don't act on it two years later, someone has the same one. Elizabeth talks about that in big magic, how the universe will kind of bring and say, Hey, these are the progressions and um, accelerations that we're going to offer to this, to humanity, to, to, to make life better or whatever. And, and someone will come up with the same idea. And so there's nothing original in that, but being able to plug into the ether, if you will, and access that intuition, access those ideas, access that frequency, it requires you to be present. It requires it. And so if you're finding that you're in this kind of spin, fight or flight, anxiety, a future thinking, whatever, it's because you're not, you're not in the here and now. And, yeah. and you're, lo- you're focused on trying to control what's going to happen in the future thus preventing and blocking you from accessing that frequency. So then what does it do? It produces more of that anxiety and worry because things don't go, they don't go the way you want them to. Yep. And and then instead of just being present and feeling that and saying, okay, I'm going to make a different decision. Like you're then fighting to then keep going down a path that might not be serve your best interests. 
because again, you're trying to be like, you're trying to force things that shouldn't be forced and you're trying to control things that you can't control. And you're trying, you, it's just like, it, like you said, it's a cycle. Yeah. It's a cycle. Yeah. And the glorification of those things makes it, it's a more of that conditioning of us believing that, you know, as long as we're an employee and as long as we're working and we pay our taxes and we're this and this and this, this is what a happy life looks like. And when people get to that point and they achieve all those things and they're still not happy that it's that rug pull from underneath them of like, Oh, you know, you're still then searching for something outside of yourself and you still can't be present because you've been convinced that this external thing is going to give you the happiness and finally the release to be present, which you've been looking for all along. Yeah. Feeling. So very interesting. Go ahead. I was going to say something that you said a few minutes ago about like not being able to control your breath, something that I've found. And I think this is the most fascinating thing to me, um, is that the breath I believe is the only system in our body that we can change or affect with our intention. Mm. And if you think about that, like, um, your respiratory system just works, your cardiovascular system just works, your muscular system just works, your endocrine system just works, but like your breath, like I can be like, okay, I'm going to take a long, slow, deep breath and something's going to happen in my body because I breathe deeply. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take a full exhale. Or even if you think about, I'm going to make sure that I'm breathing horizontally through my diaphragm today versus shallow through my chest, Mm -hmm. right? Like taking full deep breaths. So like just with our intention, that's the only system inside of us that we can control and change and affect so many other things because of the way that we're breathing. Oh, that makes sense. I, what I meant was like, if you're sleeping, you don't. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're aware just of that. You yeah. Just breathe. You just breathe. But, but you're right though. That's something. Cause like you can't change your heartbeat. Mm-mm. It just goes. That's yep. it's very interesting. I like that point. Um, because you're right. Like with, with unconsciously or consciously it's going either way. Like you can make yep. that conscious decision, but you can't, you can decide to stop breathing, but eventually like your body's yeah. going to kick into overgear or override you and say, no, you have to breathe. Um, yeah. It gets to be too much, whatever. Um, I like that. Like, yeah, that's really cool. So in, in that way, do you believe that we, the reason why it's that way is because it's, it's, it's meant to be a tool, like a facilitation? Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, there, there's so, so often you hear people say the quality, like your breath is life, right? And like the quality of your breath shapes the quality of your life and, and all of that sort of stuff. And like, so often, again, in our lives, because of the way that we live, because we're so anxious, because we're so focused on outward things, because we're so just like, go, go, go all the time. If you pay attention to how you breathe, typically, they call it vertical versus horizontal breathing. Mm-hmm. And so when you're vertically breathing, which it, which is, if you actually, let's, let's even go one step further. If you watch a baby or like a toddler breathe, their bellies like fill up with air and then come back in they're 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 like expanding their bellies out and you kind of look at them and it and it looks unique and it looks different and it it because as you get older like when you start going to school or when you start feeling stressed or pressured in certain ways you start breathing shallower and you just because of the conditioning we breathe differently so most of the time people are breathing what they call vertical breathing which is just normal breaths in and out um whether through your nose or mouth, it doesn't matter. But if you put your hand on your belly and one hand on your chest and you take just a normal breath, a lot of times people's chest will go up and down. Yeah. And, and what happens is, is if you're feeling, if you're just getting air into your chest, 
you're going to, you're going to recognize that your shoulders are going to rise and fall when you're breathing and exhaling a little bit. And that puts pressure and tension on your, on your neck and your shoulders. That's why so often people have tension there. Oh, wow. I didn't think about that. Yeah. It's because you're breathing shallowly. Now, if you pay attention to breathing through your diaphragm fully on an inhale, if you have, if you have, um, you're breathing in, your belly is going to go out. So you're filling up your diaphragm with air. And then on an exhale, it's going to come back in all the way and almost like you're sucking in your belly. And that's called horizontal breathing. And if you're breathing that way properly, you will find that your hand on your chest won't rise and fall anymore. Mm-hmm. So you're breathing down into those spaces. And what happens is, is like our, because we never breathe down there or breathe fully or deeply through a diaphragm, you get like stale air down there, you get stuck air down there. And, and it's just, it's just sits there and we never clear it out. And so when you start to train yourself to breathe fully and through your belly and through your diaphragm, you're cleaning all of that junk out. And it's going to basically be better for your blood flow. It's going to be better for your immune system. It's going to be better for a lot of things in your body because you're breathing better. And um, so one of the things that I've, that I've done once I read that um, is I've, I mean, it's took a while, but I paid attention to use. It started small. Like when I'm driving, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be very aware of my breath. I don't have to think about anything right now, except just paying attention to the road. I'm going to breathe in and out deep through my belly. Um, and now I just subconsciously breathe that way. But, Mm -hmm. uh, when my wife is close, like sometimes like if I'm hugging her, I pay attention to her breath and like, I will do one full inhale and exhale and she'll do like four or five breaths because she breathes so shallow. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the way most people are breathing. Um, but because of it, when you train yourself to breathe this way, your body is better able to fight off, um, illness and disease. I don't get sick. Your body is better able to relax when you start to get stressed. You're like, okay, hang on a second. You know, like the other day, um, Leah, my youngest, was just losing her shit over just some, some of her friends are mean girl and her mm-hmm. at school. And then the dog died. And it's just really tough. It's just really, really tough for her right now. And so she's, she's expressing herself through anger. And so in the past, I would have matched her anger with anger. Mm-hmm. And I recognized that through my breathing this way, I can remain calm and I can then say, Hey, your anger is welcome, but let's find a way to, to handle it. Um, where you're not directing your anger at other people, you know? And so how can we express our anger in a healthy way? And so we figured out for her, it's like maybe going up and screaming into a pillow or punching into a pillow or going for a run, you know, physical exertion, Mm -hmm. because I don't want her to, to, to teach her that, that the anger is bad. Right. And I'm going way off on a tangent here, but no, what getting, but what I'm getting at is the fact that um, through breathing, through controlling the quality of my breath, I'm able to stay calm in situations where in the past I might not have been because just because of the way that I breathe. Wow. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes absolute sense. I'm sorry. I was being very conscious of my own breathing while you were talking. Yeah. And I was thinking, wow, how I don't, I don't breathe from that place very often, but how like even just from, um, I was shooting a wedding this weekend and my, my shoulders and my neck and everything was really, really tight. Mm -hmm. Um, How I started to feel that relaxation around that area. And I'm like, what? (laughs) But I already started to shift um, my, it's it's quickly. Yeah when you're aware of it. Yeah. And, and it looks funny at first, like you stick right. your belly out and then you suck your belly back in. But after, once you've done it for a while, you'll recognize that like you, you, you aren't sticking it out as much. Like you can breathe fully through your diaphragm without looking like a 
two-year-old or three-year-old baby. <laughs> well, people are super conscious of their stomachs anyway. So they're like, no, I'm doing anything to push that out, you know? Yep. <laughs> so, okay. So now that we've talked so much about like what it does to your body and what it does to your person, um, let's talk about what it does to your spirit. If you want to go there. Yeah. Um, I just feel like I'm, I'm so much happier now. Like I thought I was happy before, but I recognize that there was issues and stuff. And, and like I said, going back to like that resilience things, like I, I speak a lot about physical, um, ways that, that my, that my body works because of this stuff. And I know a lot of times, like I lead breath work at CrossFit gyms. Um, I, for whatever reason, have struggled to get into like the yoga scene or people who are into that sort of stuff. I have no clue why, but I love working with people um, through my CrossFit gyms and and people that that will come to there versus a yoga studio because I've recognized that like if I get all hippy dippy and go into like the chakras and go into the energy and this more spiritual side it's of stuff, not hippy dippy. This is the show you're not. on. <laughs> No, 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 no. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, though, yeah, like yeah. I'm playing with most you. people, most people, yeah. like it, it will turn them off and like, oh, I'm not going there or I don't, I don't, that stuff is weird. Right. So like yeah. I've recognized that I speak more about it in physical ways, like what's physically happening. But when you get into it, I, I'm more creative. Um, I sleep better. Like my wife will always tell me, um, she'll be like, she'll be like, I wish that I could just go to sleep as fast as you, you know, I mean, it's me, I, I can lay down like I'm tired a couple breaths later, I'm out, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I've, I've recognized that, you know, how sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and your brain is just going like crazy and then you can't get back to yep. sleep and you're like, God, why are you such an asshole brain? <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. Um, my life. <laughs> yeah. Like because of, because of all these things and what's happened is like, when we go spiritual on this thing, I feel like what, when I say that for spirituality to me, it's just like being okay with my body, knowing that I have energy and love to offer other people and being okay. If sometimes I mess up, like mm. that's it. Like I'm in a place where it's like, I'm going to do my best. I know what my intentions are. I, I love, I just, I love being alive and I love sharing life and being with other people. Um, and just sharing the things that I've learned. And honestly, if people don't try breathwork and they don't like it, I'm not offended. It's cool. Like there's so many other ways that people can, can find, can meet those needs or, or whatever. But I can tell you this is that like, um, for me, when I think about like God or the divine or the universe or things like that, like when I go to church, I don't feel that spirit. I don't feel any energy. Um, but when I'm sitting in a ice cold lake, and I'm, and I've, 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 I will naturally put my hands in prayer hands. And one of my most favorite times to be in the ice cold water is when I have to break through the ice and it's sunny out. So it's freezing cold. The lake is, is thick with ice, but there's sun beating down on me and I'm in this ice cold water and the sun is beating down. And I just feel so just like connected and alive mm -hmm. and wonderful. And it's like, I just love that that's a practice that I can tap into anytime I want. Like I can go to the lake right now and, and it's cold enough now. It'll feel good. Um, but, but, and that's what I'm saying is like, when you like, that's how I connect to the divine and that's how, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got a, I got a ping when you said feeling alive and I like that requires such a presence to be engaged in. I don't think enough people are doing that. Like, 
what does it mean to feel alive? Like a lot of times we're, we're numbing or we're rushing or we're moving or, you know, whatever, but to actually feel alive, what does that look like? I have to ask myself too. I'm like, huh, what do I do that makes me feel alive? When I'm traveling to a destination and I'm engaged with a culture that I'm unfamiliar with, Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, or when I'm in the water, like not cold water, (laughs) cold so much. Um, but when I'm, when I'm swimming, when I'm engaged with nature in that way, being in the water, even the uncontrollability of like the waves, for instance, it's a possibility I could drown, you know, um, but just being one with, with nature in that way, it's the, it's really the only time that I feel truly alive and I feel truly present. Um, so it's really nice to hear you say that also, it's not just the nature, but you're, cho- you're choosing, um, to, to put your, your body in a certain state in order to, to feel your awareness, to feel your body, to feel your humanness and yep. which, you, you know, know what, I love that because there's so much, I mean, I, I spend a lot of time in the, the spiritual aspect of it, but my trouble, my, my, my conflict, um, my difficulty is being attached to this body and being feeling fully alive in it. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say? I was going to say when you were talking about swimming, like that's something else that like about feeling alive. Like I, I think back to, I was in Hawaii um, this summer with my family. And one morning I have a buddy who I met at a, at a workshop and, and he, he lived on the, on Oahu and he is an underwater photographer. Ooh. And so I was just like, Hey man, I just want to like, let's just go swim in one morning. And he was like, cool. And so he gave me some flippers and we walked like a mile from his, like he lives two blocks from the beach, but we walked a mile down the beach and then we basically swam all the way back. And then we walked it the two blocks back to his house. But there was this one part about halfway through. And I mean, it's like 6.30 in the morning at this point. We've been in the water for, I mean, we started at like 5 a.m. So we've been in the water for a while, like I'm tired. And we come across this like volcanic area where these, these waves were coming in and out. And there was a school of fish that basically they would like, they were like riding the wave. And so they, the wave would like suck them and they'd swim in. And then when the water would come back out, they would swim back out. Mm-hmm. And so we just took turns. Like we sat in this spot for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Shit you not. Me and him were taking turns, my buddy Miles. And we're just like for 30 minutes, we're just watching this one school of fish swim in and out along this like ocean, this like volcanic rock with a wave. And you see like the water will hit the, the rock and it creates these bubbles that are just freaking beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and you're under the water. So you're like, you're hearing all the pops of the ocean and the sounds that the ocean has. And like a shark could have came and ate us at any moment. Like there's <laughs> sharks swim around there, but like, we're just like, so in the moment. And I was like, you know what? Like, I felt tremendously grateful to be alive and, and I felt fully alive in that moment. Mm-hmm. And it's just like what I was trying to think as you were talking about, like, what was it about that moment? And I don't even know. And I think that's the most fascinating thing is that like, it's unexplainable. It's just like this calm, like this yeah. presence. And there's, there's no other word beside it than presence that you're just like, you're there. I wasn't thinking about what I was going to do later. I wasn't like, Oh, okay. I've seen these same fish swim in and out four times now let's move on to see what else is up up in the ocean it was like no like i'm just here and i'm just gonna be here you know I wonder how i mean in the in the way that we currently live our lives how often do we actually allow ourselves the time to do that like when people have vacation for a week a year you know and yeah. they're just focused on 
I mean, just essentially escaping that feeling just to relax. So what do they do? They numb out. But how many times do we actually like consciously put ourselves in positions that make us feel alive? It's so rare, even for someone like us. I mean, like, um, I, I practice meditation and I actively try to get outside of the matrix, if you will, to, um, give myself space and allowance to, to, to make time for that. But I find that it's, it's still not as often as I'd like it to be. It's like yeah. you know, month here, month there, you know, whatever. And I'm like, what does it look like to facilitate a type of life where I can feel alive all the time? Is that possible? I think it is. Okay. I think cool. that there's, I think, and, and it comes with an awareness and acceptance going back to that. And an and, and example here, I don't want to wash the fucking dishes, but <laughs> I recognize that like, when I wash the dishes and I empty the dishwasher or I'm hand washing the pans and stuff like that, I recognize that when I do that, my wife doesn't have to. And so for me to be able to like serve another in a small way that way, like, and then I was like, okay, how can I feel alive while washing the dishes? And to me, it's this, that mindset, it's the awareness of what's going on in my body. Instead of being like, Oh fuck, another dirty dish or I have to scrape yeah. this. It's like, can I, can I pay attention to the warm water running over my hands? What does that feel like? Um, what does it smell? What does that smell like when you have the soap there? Um, can I play some music that, that I really enjoy? And can I dance while I'm, while I'm washing the dishes, you mm -hmm. know, and can I, can I bring some sort of movement in there and make it kind of fun? Can I like anything like that? Like how can I stimulate any senses? And that's how we can get to that place where we can feel 100% alive in everything that we're doing. And, and I feel like that's probably an unrealistic expectation, but there are times where I'm, where I'm like, you know what, I'm washing the dishes and it's like a pile of dishes because my kids go through so much and it's like, but I'm happy, you know, I'm grateful that I have dishes to wash, that I have a yeah. house over my head, that like, that the water feels nice on my hands, you know, like there's, mm -hmm. there's all sorts of, it's just, it's just that bringing that mindset of like, I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do after I'm washing the dishes. I'm not worried about anything. I'm just specifically washing the dishes, knowing that like it needs to be done. And that if I do it, then that means that somebody else doesn't have to do it. And they can, you know, that frees them time up for them to do something that maybe they enjoy doing. Yeah. That's beautiful. I, I would love to, we'll see this, you guys listening, this is the type of human that Josh is anyway. So. <laughs> um, it's, it is, it does seem probably unrealistic for some other people, but this is, this is who he is. This is why I wanted him on the show. Um, so something cool, uh, Josh, I'd love to, we'll switch gears just a little bit before we end. Yeah. I want you to talk about your, um, I don't remember what you called it, but like happiness notes or something you were leaving. Yeah. yeah. Notes around so i love people to hear about this because i just thought it was such a and actually that's kind of how you got more on my radar um me and josh are both photographers or we're at the same time and that's how i kind of heard about you and in, in passing in our smaller community um but when i started hearing about that the happiness project is that what it was yeah so so what happened is um back to when all of that really hard shit happened um the other part of my healing besides the Wim Hof stuff, the other part of my healing was writing letters of encouragement and just leaving them for strangers to find. And how I got into that is there was a girl, her name was Hannah Brencher and she lives in Atlanta and she's a writer and she's, she's a, got a really cool story. But um, 
I saw, uh, are you familiar with Justin and Mary Morantz? No. They're, so they're wedding photographers and they, they played this video at WPPI and it was like a, I, I never go to the classes, but for whatever reason, Jenny was like, oh my gosh, you should, Justin and Mary, they're like, they're not like the other classes at WPPI. It's not boring stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'll go. And so I went and they played this video and it was Hannah Brincher was talking and she was talking about this project called More Love Letters. And basically she was one day randomly sitting on, um, she had moved from a small town. She, I think she lived in like Connecticut or somewhere like that. And she moved to New York and it was this big city and she didn't know anybody. And she just looked over at this lady sitting on this subway, um, riding the subway train with her. And she wrote a letter in her thing and she was going to give it to this lady and the lady got off. And so she never got to give it to her. So she goes, well, I'm just going to fold this up and leave it on the seat for somebody else. And it was just such a beautiful and simple thing. And so when I was battling a depression and I was, my marriage was falling apart, which we're still together and we're stronger than ever now. But at the time, like I was really worried. Like I, I was like, I don't know how to support my wife here. Like, I was feeling very lethargic. I wasn't working hard. I had no drive and she was grieving. So she didn't have energy to like support the family or make money either. And so both of us were like, neither one of us were working much and had much energy to do anything. And hers was justified. Mine was just because I didn't know how to handle everything and I was overwhelmed. Um, and so I started doing the, the Wim Hof stuff. And the other thing was I remembered about this girl and this letter that she wrote. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to start, I'm going to write a letter. And so my practice began thinking of somebody who impacted my life at some point, either a friend, a teacher, or family member. Um, and I would write two letters every morning. So I'd write a letter to that, to whatever person, just thanking them for their presence in my life and what they did for me. And the other was writing a letter to a stranger. And what I found is that when I sat down to write intuitively, the words that I needed to hear to help me like snap out of my funk and to heal and to get well was what I transferred to that paper. Mm -hmm. So I, I took what I needed from it and then I'd fold it up I'd seal it. And I would just leave it at a coffee shop or in a library book or at the grocery store, like wherever. And I felt that I fully believed that whoever needed to hear the words that, that I wrote would find that letter. And so, um, did you label it, was it just, a particular way or? Um, yeah, I, I had a hashtag that was um, encourage somebody is what I would use. Mm -hmm. And so, and then what happened is then I started a greedy card company because, and I turned into like doing really simple watercolors. And that was another part of my healing process. And so I still write letters. I don't do that every day anymore, but I still, you know, like once or twice a week, I'll, I'll grab a card and I'll write a letter and then leave it somewhere for somebody to find. Um, it was just a very simple and, and therapeutic thing for me. And some of the stories I have to tell you is um, I was in a coffee shop one morning and it was, it was my birthday. It was when I turned 35 and I said, I got up early and I wrote 35 letters of encouragement. And wow. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to hit, I'm going to put these all 35 of these out today. And so I was meeting some friends. Rusty was with us at the time, actually. Um, Rusty's so, a beautiful friend of ours. I love Rusty. That's why I brought <laughs> him up. We love Rusty. <laughs> Rusty's a good guy. So anyway, so we're at, um, it was the filling station in, in Mission. I think there's one in Mission, whatever. It's right by that high school. It yeah. doesn't matter. Um, but we were sitting at a table and there was like um, one of the magazine, uh, like where people would put like a pitch or something, you know? And so I would just lay a letter on there and I'd wait for someone to pick it up. And I was like, 
all I want for my birthday is some to, to watch somebody read one of my letters. I've never watched anybody like find a letter. Mm -hmm. And so someone picked one up on their way out and I was like, and I watched them, they got in their car and then they drove off. And then I, so I put another letter out there and then that would get picked up. And after like five or six letters, um, a kid and his girlfriend came in and they uh, ordered their coffee and I was watching them and they, they, they were, um, waiting for their coffee. And I noticed he opened it up and he read it and then he handed it to his girlfriend and then they're like both crying and then hugging. And I was like, and I'm crying too. And I wanted to go join (laughs) in on the hug and be like, I wrote that letter, but it wasn't about, but it's like, there's been other times where somebody has messaged me later and said, um, I left one at, um, Oh my God. Uh, it's the place down in crossroads. that's not there anymore. Um, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But um, the girl that found that letter, that dad just left it on a table. I had a, had a meeting, left one. Um, she said it was the, the two year anniversary of her boyfriend's death. He died in like wow. a motorcycle crash. And she found this letter on that day. And she was like, I really didn't know how I was going to get through the day. And then I just randomly opened this thing up. Oh. And it's like, that just solidified that to me, that when I put good energy out in the world, when I do things without trying to control the outcome, without even caring what happens, you know, somebody might've find a letter and then like said, this is stupid. And then put the letter down and then somebody else would find it and need, and really needed to get the words from it. You know, like, I don't care. Like the whole thing is that like just doing good things for no reason other than to do good things. Yeah. And, and that was like, it was a really huge turning point for me. Um, in overcoming my depression and just knowing that like, I'm a good person knowing that like I have good intentions and sometimes those don't get taken the right way. And that's okay. It's okay. I can, I can be better. I can be okay. I'm a good person. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, like, I I feel like when you give, it gives twice, you know, they say that like, um, you know, when you're giving to someone else, it also gives back to you. And without it being with any kind of selfish intention, because obviously it takes work to put that in in and not have like any outcome behind it. Um, But it gave you a means cathartically to be able to express yourself and offer care and encouragement to those who are going through something you were going through too. So in a way it was like you, you healing yourself by helping others heal. Absolutely. And you know, we all have, our own issues and problems and things that are just causing us pain. And there's no way to ever know what somebody else is going through. Mm -hmm. And and the idea is that like, this is what it really taught me is that I don't have to know what you're going through or what somebody else is going through to still be able to say, Hey, I see you, I acknowledge you and I love you. Mm -hmm. And, and even to a stranger, like I just, I love people. Like I love people and the brilliance that they bring to life and the magic that they bring to life. And I want people to know that they're okay, even if they are struggling and hurting that like, there's people out there that care about them. And yeah, it just, it, it feels, I, I, the words are eluding me right now. It, <laughs> it feels, um, I don't want to say like, it feels good. It's, it's almost just like a it, it's almost just like our shared humanity, right? Like our connections and the way that we are all connected and that we all go through the same things that like life isn't always easy and happy and it's not supposed to be. And that the, the struggles 
those things shape us into who we are and how we, how we respond to struggles and how are using our resilience and our compassion and our empathy and our love to, to let others know that like, they're okay. Like that, that's, that's why I'm here. Well, it's part of the oneness, right? Like you said, we're all connected. And I love that just because I'm a, a law of one uh, fan, but mm-hmm. um, we're, we're all connected. We're all one. And you kind of facilitating, uh, not facilitating, but you, you answering a call almost when you said you couldn't find the words for it. It doesn't feel good. But I was like, it's almost like you're fulfilling your mission, right? Like you feel like yeah. that's where you're supposed to be here. Yep. Would you consider yourself a light worker? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Do you identify Absolutely. with the term? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you identify yeah. as a light worker? Um, I think that's wonderful. And I would like to ask you, considering that in the ter- current climate that we're in and um, being a person of color and talking to straight white male, who is the majority of mostly everything, um, how do you feel like you came to this type of perspective um, when even probably you would agree that it's pretty rare? Uh, repeat that again. I said, how did you, how do you come to this type of perspective when you would even consider it pretty rare to have this type of outlook? Yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So you mean like acknowledging my privilege and things like that and that how I mean, we don't have to get in like political because like, <laughs> that's not what this show is for sorry yeah. we're all like we're not doing the divisive <laughs> thing i just think that in today's society and where things are at it is it is already rare to find people who have had a lot of oppression or things like that to be empathetic to others um and then alongside of those who have had significant privileges privilege to be able to empathize with those who haven't. And so in your case, the reason why everybody's making a demon case for straight white men right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so with, with reason, but at the same time, I'm, what I'm asking is, is that growing up in a place where you didn't have any of those issues um, and then arriving to this perspective of like, we're all one and wanting to be able to be there and help other people and be a good human being, not be a selfish one even. Um, how do you feel like that came upon you? Do you feel like you just kind of incarnated here like that? And that was your disposition. Did you learn something with someone that affected your perspective or life to get to that, that place? Because there are still, I mean, we're in the vast minority of the people who think that way. Yeah. Okay. I got it. Um, yeah. So for me, I was, when I, oh man, I was a very like spoiled, selfish kid. And so it, it was, I have to thank my wife for um, really helping me recognize the way that I behaved that was like very entitled um, a lot because of the privileges. And, and I, I recognize that now, like it was, it was very subtle changes just in ways that she kind of, I don't wanna say forced me to be, but invited me to change, mm-hmm. if you will. Or, or educated me, like she taught me that like, okay, when you are this way, this is what happens, this is how I feel. And she's a white woman, you know? And so then I start looking at like, um, I went to Grandview High School, and so it was a very mixed school. Yeah. Um, and for my freshman year of high school, I actually went to O'Hara, and I recognized that, and looking back, like I couldn't have told 
So looking back now, I couldn't have told you this at the time, but I recognize that when I was at, I went to Grandview from third grade when I moved to Kansas City through um, eighth grade. And then my freshman year, I went to O'Hare High School and there was not a lot of African-Americans, but those were my best friends at that school. And I, I recognized pretty early on that they were talked to and treated differently than I was. And it just didn't sit right with me. And so I would go out of my way to recognize that they're just kids trying to do the best they can at that school as well. And that freshman year is hard and there's a lot of bodily changes going on. And I just wanted to be a good person to them, not for any other reason than just because that's what I think that as, as a human I should be is, is be friends to everybody that I possibly can. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember there was a time I had, um, I played basketball and I had a basketball hoop and there was a guy and his name was Daryl and he was, I mean, he was older. He moved here from North Carolina and he was living with his parents and he lived next door and he was, and when I say older, he was probably about 10 to 15 years older than me Mm -hmm. anyway, but he became like a big brother to me and he'd come out and he'd shoot hoops with me. He taught me how to box and he's a black guy. And, um, I remember one time I went with him and another friend who was four years older than me. And this other kid was white. So it was Daryl, my buddy, Ryan, and me, we went and Ryan had met this girl who lived in a small town in Kansas. And we went out there so he could um, hang out with her for a weekend. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was 15 at the time. And we get to this small town and we got pulled over. I want to say we got in Friday night and we drove home Sunday night. So in 48 hours, we probably got pulled over six times. Oh my God. Um, and it was because this town didn't have any black people. And there was a guy who was an older black man with two white people in his car. And like, what are you doing in our town? We weren't doing wow. anything wrong. We weren't speeding, nothing. Um, and again, like there's, there's moments like that where in my head, I'm like, this is wrong. Like there's something here. And it's not until I got to college or even a few years after that, that I could put my, put my finger on it obviously as racism. Right. And that, that was yeah. just outside of my scope of reality because I was a white male. And so in a roundabout way to get back to your question, like I fully believe that looking at those experiences, I recognize that like everybody here that's alive is trying to do the best that they can for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I want to acknowledge and love everybody that I possibly can. And so whether that means wearing, um, a, I, I've got some clothes from uh, uh, African-American owned business out of Brooklyn that are like racially charged like statements mm-hmm. um, about like equal rights and stuff. And I love wearing this one tank top in particular um, because it, I call it my conversation starter because I live in the suburbs where it's mostly white and it's a lot of conservatives out here. And again, we don't need to get into labels and stuff like that. But the, the thing is, is I just want people to know that like there's a space for everybody and that we're all trying to do the best. And I just want people to, to encourage people and I want to love people and not as a white savior kind of deal, but just as a being a good human kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And, and, and having those experiences, even though I couldn't, put words on it, like having my, um, going to Grandview and, and basically having a very diverse group of friends and having Daryl, my, um, my African-American like big brother. And then, um, having Jenny who lived a very traumatic life, like in recognizing the ways that 
I'm not trying to be hurtful or not trying to, to, um, but I am in the ways of not giving her space to like either grieve or heal or to be beat, to feel her pain. And just all of these different things have just shaped me into where I'm at now, where it's just like, I just want to hug the world. I mean, let's be honest. Like, I just want to hug the world and be like, we're going to get through this together. We're not perfect. We're going to fail. We're going to mess up, but we're going to pick our, pick each other up and we're going to try and do better the next time. Does that answer the question? Dude, it answers it so well. And I'm just, I I'm sitting here listening from the perspective of our listeners and I'm just, I'm moved because it's, it's the way that I see the world and I want more people to see the world. And I'm just, I feel like it's just, it's so wonderful to hear someone embody that so well. Well, thank you. So I'm super excited. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, like I just like right now I'm really inspired. I feel like I need to go writing or something. <laughs> um, but Josh, before we go, can you tell our listeners how to find you? Yeah. So the best two places, um, would be my website, which is joshsolar.co, just a CO, not .com. Um, and then my Instagram account, which is Josh Solar loves you. So those are the two best places. And I'd love for you to reach out if you're curious about breath work. I do classes around Kansas city a couple times a month. Um, I work with people one-on-one if you're nervous or scared. Um, I know we didn't get into Reiki, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, Are you able to do breath work remotely? Yeah, we can do it remotely. We can do it remotely. I love to do the the in-person to me is so much more effective. Mm -hmm. Um, And my goal with anything is to give people the tools to be able to do it on their own. Right. Um, Like I I don't ever want to be seen as like a guru or somebody who knows it all or like have people followers who are like, oh, the way this guy does his breath work is the thing. I want everybody to experience it, but then I want to also... And I love the classes, like the group energy is great, but the, the, I want people to, to, to have tools that they can turn to when they're feeling off, they need a break, they need a reset. And I want people to, to know that they can access and tap into those feelings and that release at any moment. Nice. So, yeah. So just my website and Instagram. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Josh. Like I, I adore you as a person and I'm glad to hear your energy come through just as I experience it in, in day to day. So um, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Interested in becoming a client for energy coaching? Find me at www thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do or hit me up on IG at thelovelyalia for daily content and inspiration.